You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program, a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR-FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew. Welcome to a very special episode of the Write Project Podcast. Today, we've got a host of authors on to answer one of the most frequent questions that's asked of any author. We're asking them, how did publishing your first book change the process of writing for you? And today to answer, we have on Tasha Madison, the author of Fabric of a Generation. How did publishing your first book change your process of writing, if at all? Hmm. I'm not sure if it changed my process of writing. Um, I think it it made me, it reminded me to write more thoughtfully, I think I will say, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm a you know, very type A person, I, I, I plot and I plan, um, I really try to structure things in a way that's logical and makes sense. Um, I have to see it down, you know, written down on paper. Um, so it helps me to really visualize it and see if there's any gaps and then kind of build in, you know, build in between it to carry the story. Um, so I changed how I write, maybe just gave me greater appreciation for it. Absolutely. Okay. I'm a huge uh, planner too, by the way. I, I tend to, in fact, I have to write it down on loose leaf or rather in uh, like an old school exercise book i have to write it uh-huh. down the plot i can't it can't be loose leaf it can't i can't type it on a computer when i'm plotting with the book it has to be by hand i think and that part of it too is just maybe because we're we were you know experienced life before the advent of social media you know before you know <laughs> there's that too in fact, about, yeah i mean it just it, i think it you to think differently about things. I think it changed the way a lot of people think about writing, how they tackle writing. Um, because a lot of times people say things like, oh, I have writer's block, I have writer's block. And I don't necessarily believe in that. I think to me, writer's block is nothing more than just feeling uninspired. Yeah. Um, and so for me, when I'm feeling uninspired, that's usually what I do. I go to pen and paper. And 100% of the time, it re-inspires me. Um, if I feel like, oh, I, I'm staring at a blank screen on a laptop and I just the words just aren't coming. I just don't know what's happening. I just get, you know, words typed out. I pull out a sheet of paper and I can always write something. I mean, even if it's poetry, I mean, I can always write something. Um, and so I, I think it has to do with the way that, you know, we tackle writing just because of the, the changes throughout technology. So for me, yeah, I, I think how I tackle writing depends on, you know, where I am and, yeah, I always keep pen and paper in my purse, you know, if I'm out and about and I'm like, oh, I've got a really great idea. I've got to write this down. Yep. Um, you know, and I'll scroll it down real quick. Sometimes even on napkins in restaurants, I'm like, oh my God, I just got this really amazing idea. Learned how to incorporate technology, um, just, you know, out of necessity. Um, but yeah, whenever I feel uninspired pen and paper and it works every time. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much. Next, we have BC Labeled, the Canadian independent author of the 10th Lunan Regiment series, a military sci-fi saga. He also writes an immersive dark fantasy series. His current titles include To Drown in Sand, Juris Lunance, To Drown in Ash, The Dog, Bone, and Upon a Wake of Flame. Did publishing your first book change your writing process in any way you're aware of? Yes, because it was so painful. <laughs> the I can't remember how many very last copies of of uploads went into the algorithm there had to be 90 and every single time 
I was like, okay, please, God, let this be done. Because I'm working on like 15 different projects that are on hold while I'm trying to find that semicolon that's on page 273 that shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yep. Um, and so, and, and you know, I, I guess everybody starts this way. Everybody starts by doing it wrong. I, I don't think anybody starts with like, okay, I will do the thing that everybody says to do. So, um, the difference between my first two novels. So my first novel was To Drown in Sand. The difference between that and To Drown in Ash. I wrote To Drown in Ash in half the time with way better structure, way better plotting, and way better understanding of what needed to be done because I knew that by second or third draft, I was then going to send that off to somebody and pay them, and they were going to scrutinize it and make it better. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't waste my life trying to perfect my first draft. I literally didn't understand what rewriting was. I thought rewriting was major plot changes. It's not. It's, it's scurrying around 300 pages trying to find every little dust bunny <clears throat> that you hate, and it will kill you. It will, it, will take, it will eat your soul. It will destroy your passion to build a novel. So for the love of God, I, I, I had to learn to hire someone to do that for me so that I could keep writing. Oh, yeah. Um, Cause, and, and the other thing is, you won't find them yourself. Like, it's almost... I find it's impossible to find mistakes in my own work, even, like, hit your head against a wall obvious ones. It just... Right. I just can't do it. Uh, but other people's stuff, like, when I'm reading it for the classes, I can just know, okay, that sentence sounds wrong. That's a sentence place. That comma's in the wrong spot. All the stuff, like... And I used to think that I was just... A crappy editor and that I couldn't do it it's just you can't do it with your own stuff you you cannot self-edit and 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 that is the hardest lesson and that's what changed the most about about my writing process you cannot self-edit now I had no money at all when I did the first when I put the first novel together so what I do I kept self-editing every single version of the story and after the by the end of it, I was like I hate this was the first novel of a trilogy, and I hated it. I didn't want to see the, these characters again. I yep. was so utterly fed up and sick of it. Um, and so I uh, ended up finding a friend who was like, look, I, I really enjoy this this work of yours, and I know you're about to light it on fire, so just let me have it. And, you know, you want to... You want to lock on to your outcomes. You, you want to make sure that your plotting is going to go the way it wants to go. So the thing I learned with my second novel that I didn't know about the first one is that you have to pull back a little bit and open the plotting to input from others. Because this is me in the dark at 5 a.m. grinding this thing out over a period of, God, four years. Um, I don't care what anybody says about it. I don't want to have their input. turns out that's the opposite of uh, of what I think is really, I'm going to say, professional writing. You know, this idea of throwing the story to the gods and the winds and, and getting people to sort of scrutinize it and ask you, what if? Um, sometimes that input is garbage, but sometimes that input will improve the writing in, in ways you didn't even understand. So you, you have to be able to let it go, and you have to be able to present it to somebody else. So those are the two things that I learned the most from my first novel. Excellent. Thank you very much. Next, we have Tracy Waddleton, who is from Trapassi, Newfoundland. She recently just put out a book through Breakwater Books called Send More Tourists, The Last Ones Were Delicious. 
Great. How did publishing your first book change your process of writing, if at all? Oh, I don't know if it changed the process. I mean, it's still a fairly new um, situation being published. It's only been like a month or so. So I'm still kind of adjusting to that. I think it introduces kind of a new little fear, perhaps. The idea that, you know, people can just go buy your soul <laughs> off of a bookshelf yep. is, can be kind of daunting. And maybe that can interfere with your process. Now when I'm writing stuff down, there's something in the back of my head saying, people might read this. Yep. Whereas before, it, I didn't have that kind of pressure. It was more, oh, like, um, I'm writing because this is what I do and this is what I enjoy. And there was all sort of a hope that people would read it, whereas now it seems like a stark, strange reality. And it's almost like letting the reader in before you've even finished the thing and wondering how they're going to react. So I guess it's just um, something else that you have to try to shut down, like the internal editor that's constantly there. But it's, it's just a, a new barrier to cross over. Granted, you know, there's no guarantees. You'll have other books published and who knows... How the, what the future will hold, but I think that that's, um, that fear gets introduced after the first the first book is out there. Okay. Not to scare anybody about mm. publishing, but you know I think that that just it's a new thing yeah. that uh, that you have to deal with. I don't know if that's the same is true for you or for other people, but I find it is, and uh, I'm always reminded on that question. There's a photographer we work with. We put out a, a book out of book of her photography like this big hardcover coffee table book uh her name's mm -hmm. kit sora and we were laying when we were laying out the book we found that uh whenever she shot in um portrait mode like like lengthwise uh it was a lot easier to lay out and the landscape ones were harder to uh and so when we asked her this question we had her on even though she's a photographer it was like i find myself thinking about that now because I'm like, ooh, this might see print in another book someday because the first one did pretty well. And it's like, what do I... So she'll now, like, in the back of her head go, oh, no, I should put this in portrait mode as opposed to whatever she wanted to do it to begin with, you know? And it's this... It's almost like this yeah. virus. Like, the commerciality of it gets into your head. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly, exactly it. Though, you know, in good news, I don't feel like my book is... Um I mean, I never thought of it as being commercial or I never thought of how it would sell or how people would receive it. So I do feel a certain freedom to just kind of go about my business without worrying too much. It's just every now and then I say something in a story that could be considered, I don't know, controversial or, um, you know, upsetting to someone or maybe it mimics somebody's life events, even though it's not meant to and has nothing to do with them and then I start thinking oh they're going to read this and they're going to be upset so it's just just kind of a matter of ignoring it I don't think that it's something that you should let in I don't know how many times I've referenced Stephen King but I mean he says to write with the door closed and edit with the door open right yeah and I think that's really important is to and it's not just a matter of like not sharing your writing with other people but it's also not letting the reader into your head or the publisher into your head the editor in your own head or the one that's at your publisher, you know, not just to kind of make sure that you're still letting out what's supposed to come out and that you're not trying to like, you know, appease all these uh, external forces. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Thank you very much. Next we have Brad Dunn 
author of After Dark Vapors. How does how is the act of publishing your first book changing your writing process or changing your your experience of writing? I almost feel a little blocked. Like with this second novel, I've been having a really hard time, like getting to the meat of the story. Yeah, I feel like I've I've spent a lot of time this summer building the skeleton. But I can't like it's like the 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 style the voice won't come, and I'm almost wondering if it's like I'm just like blocked because I'm still waiting for this book to come out. Yeah. You know, um, I'm hoping that when it does finally come out, <laughs> it's, it feels like it's been like the y- longest year of my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's just like I'm just like I need to like get over it or something so I can finally just like move on. You yeah. Know? Um, so and I'm like I've I've published things before like I've published um, like articles and stuff but I've never published like a book like um, so there is you lose something I remember after the first one after I got published like not I'd written a few and they were kind of in the tank waiting yeah because um, it's a series but after the first one I wrote after the first one was published yeah was hard because you you've kind of lost this illusion that this is just for you and no one's ever going to read this i mean you could always keep it back you can always choose not to release it or be like that was horrible and scrap it or whatever but you lose some of that innocence that this is just for you i think like so much of the key of finally writing and like we talked about this earlier about like you know stephen king totally has erased whatever block between his brain and his his fingertips um i think so much of that process is sort of abandoning the idea that anyone's ever going to read it so you might as well just write whatever you want to write yeah and so that's what my feeling was when i wrote this book that's fair i think if anyone doesn't care about what the reader thinks it is faulkner and king (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like okay i'm just going to write whatever i want to write i'm going to write the book i want to write and now it's coming out and now i'm like oh man people are going to like read this yeah (laughs) it's like I don't think there's anything in it that's, like, shocking. Like, Oh, there's a bit in it that's shocking. I was, fair enough. Like, I was reading it right before I came here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I think <laughs> I'm really cringing imagining my mom reading some of the stuff in this book. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> it's, some members of my family are going to be shocked by this. Yeah. Um, but, like... Oh, do they think you're a good boy? <laughs> I don't know what my family okay. thinks of me at all. Um... I think for a lot of them, it's probably going to confirm some of their suspicions. Yeah, uh, that I'm a lunatic. Um, but like in terms of, uh, I mean, you can't shock people anymore. Like no, it's hard. I know people. There's this whole thing about like, oh, we're this politically correct era, and you can't say anything. I was like, man, like watch American Horror Story. Like people are being disemboweled on television. Like. Yeah. Ten years ago, you would you'd never see the stuff that's on television now. It's, it's there's a certain logic to that where it's this weird like a we go farther than we used to and b we don't go as far as we used to. It's a yeah. time slot thing. Like past ten thirty at night, we go way farther than we ever could. <laughs> yeah. But like go back and watch All in the Family, and yeah. that aired in prime time, like five p.m. when people are sitting down to supper. Yeah. You could never air All in the Family now at, no. that, at that time slot. Yeah, it's, it's funny how things shift. Um, but I guess, like, what I mean in terms of, like, like violence. And, oh, yeah, no. Like, sex and violence and just, like, debauchery. It's yeah. like, like, this is, like, this era is, it's like, 
like it's like ancient Greece, just like yeah. the stuff you see in Homer is like what what we're into now. Um, yeah. Now, I mean, uh, the flip side is that obviously we're much more sensitive about stuff like race and and identity and things like that. But um, but like, I think that the average reader won't be shocked by what I I've written. But like, <laughs> I think they will. I think I think you've got a cool um, cool story there that's gonna rattle some people and it's gonna be fun yeah maybe i'm i'm like downplaying <laughs> maybe this is like wishful thinking but i like don't want to be like drawn and quartered on, on twitter um oh no i don't think that i think people are gonna like it yeah um yeah but getting back to my point is that yeah like suddenly it's like i wrote this book feeling like who cares no one is never going to get published no one's ever going to read it and now people now people are going to hopefully read it <laughs> the, the the goal is to get people to read it and suddenly i'm like oh my god yeah i put some stuff in there that i can't take out now yeah like it's is uh, is uh, we've crossed the rubicon now <laughs> like, yeah yep. no turning back now <laughs> no turning back contract signed <laughs> thank you very much Next we have Bridget Canning, author of The Greatest Hits of Wanda Janes and editor of What's Written in the Ladies. How did the act of publishing your first book change your writing process, if at all? I think going through the process with uh, the edit, with we've been working with James Langer at Breakwater, it, it kind of helps you stand back a bit. Um, so I think... In my own now, when I'm writing, I um, basically you, I, I make sure that I'm kind of giving myself kind of break or trying my best to see my writing from uh, you know, the reader's point of view. So I'll do things like um, I'll read about, I'll read it out loud to myself, or I'll I'm, I'm constantly kind of picking things up and putting things down. So I have things like I have a novella that I wrote in the fall that I haven't looked at for months. So I'll probably pick that up soon and try to see it with fresh eyes. So I think um, in terms of my own writing practice, kind of um, giving myself a bit more breathing room. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. It does. Thank you very much. Next we have Tenneth Frost, best-selling author of the Immortal Solace series. How did publishing your first book change your process of writing, Tenneth? The first book that I published wasn't my first book that I published. How did the act of publishing your first book, regardless of which of you published it, change? How did it change <laughs> your process of writing, Tenneth? Ah, uh, the act of publishing. Okay, actually, I can answer that because the act of publishing my first book miraculously meant that I had suddenly a lot of readers waiting for the next part of the story. And if I hadn't had those people waiting for it, I probably never would have finished the first series that I ever wrote. Thank you very much. Next we have John Haas, author of The Reluctant Barbarian. How did publishing your first book change your process of writing, John Haas? Ooh, um, well, all of a sudden I had stuff outside of writing that I had to do. So there were, um, like, Renaissance Press took care of so much of it, but still, I I would go, I would do readings where I could, and I would... They uh, can't do, do signings. signings for you, yeah. No, exactly. Uh, so there was more of the business side and the promotion side 
that I was doing. Like the Renaissance Press would have a table at Comic Con and Geek Market and all these things, and then the authors would would man the tables in shifts throughout the weekend. Uh, so I would do that as well. So um, my writing process didn't change, but there was more more tasks to do. I, fi- I find that stuff. as well. I started Engine Books because I wanted to write and what it didn't occur and I wanted to do it as a living. And I saw being a part of a publisher as, um, as a road to doing that. And what I never occurred to me at the time was that so much of my time that I used to spend writing once the business took off would be spent doing absolutely anything but writing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Next we have Rebecca North, author of Elliot and the Impossible Fish from Breakwater Books. Uh, how did your publishing your first book change your writing process, if at all? Um, well, I, I had almost given up uh, at that point, um, because I, I had submitted so many books. My first book that ever got published uh, was um, uh, A Picnic at the Lighthouse, and that was with Creative Book Publishing at, at the time, which has since um, been taken uh, over by uh, Breakwater Books. Adopted by Breakwater. Adopted, yes. yes. Adopted by, sorry. Um, adopted by Breakwater Books. And, um, yeah, so they... Um, I, I remember getting that letter. It was like, I think it was the happiest, well, no, the happiest moment of my life was having my, my two boys, but the, this, like... Happiest professional uh, moment. Happiest professional moment of my life. So I definitely, I think I gained a lot more confidence after that. Um, and, uh, you know, I I had the, it gave me the encouragement that I needed just to keep going and, and keep getting better and uh, and just keep working at it. That's good. It's good to have validation from an outside source. Like your friends validate you early on, but one hopes. But um, yeah, it, it's good to have. It's something I'll never have. <laughs> Thank you very much. Next we have tie-in collective author Susan McDonald. How did publishing your first book change your process of writing, if at all? Well, I think the, the thing that changed things the most for me was I had a superb editor and somebody who, in fact, the first book that I submitted to Breakwater, the editor didn't take, but she she sent me a, a letter and she said, you know, this book isn't publishable, it's not good enough, but I think you can write and if you're interested, I'll give you some feedback. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Like, how soon can I be in your office? And I literally went down and, and spoke to her because I was, it was lucky that I was in the same city. And um, she sat and she sat down with me and she went through the first chapter and with a red pen and said, this is what, these are the mistakes you're making. This is the problems that you're having. This is, these are the issues with the plot. Um, you need to pay more attention to this. Write me another book, and I'll look at it. And I thought, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Now, it took, took another year to write another book. But I learned so much from her, and I was so much a better writer. 
And the last, and of course, you know, I had a had a good editor for book number two, and then I had a I had a, a different editor for book number three, and again, it was somebody who who spent a lot of time going over and saying, "These are your ticks, and these are the mistakes you make, and did you think about doing this a bit differently, and what, how would doing that." make a difference to the story and the readability of it. And again, I learned a ton. So I would have to say that you're, as a writer, your best friend in the entire world is a good editor. I agree entirely. <laughs> and I, my advice to almost anyone is listen to your editor. She's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, no, but she doesn't realize. No, no. Listen no. to her. She's right. No, but she doesn't yeah. know that in the last chapter it's revealed that, no, no, what you don't get is, it doesn't matter. Listen to her. She's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one's going to make it to the last chapter because whatever problem she just picked up on is going to stop them dead at chapter two. <laughs> They're going to put mm -hmm. it back down. Thank you very much. Next we have Candace Osmond, best-selling author of Dark Tides and Killer Me. Candace, how did publishing your first book change your process of writing? Um, hmm, it's a good question. I've never really thought about it. Uh, my very first book that I wrote in my late teens took me about four years to actually finish it because I didn't know anything. I didn't even know how to properly use a comma. Um, I still don't know how to properly use a comma. <laughs> Does anybody know? <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, I didn't know how to properly format dialogue, separate it from narrative, that kind of thing. Um, I sort of just read other books and mimicked how they formatted things. In the end, when I did publish it, I'm just very thankful that I didn't get a slew of bad reviews. I got lots of really good reviews. Yeah. But there were a couple people who approached me privately that just said, you know, maybe just like brush up on your, your editing or maybe get an editor kind of thing. So I, I said did. that in a post just the other day that like yeah. that's that's really the way to do it where you you can just private message an author and oh. be like, hey, yeah. you know. There's absolutely no need to publicly say any of that online, whether it's in the form of a review or a Facebook or a tweet or anything like that. Like if you have a problem or you have some constructive advice for an author private message them it's the best way to do it and like to me it's a little bit like you know yelling out at a at a speech that someone has spinach in their teeth yes you should probably that, tell them but you know signal very discreetly you know just put yourself in the person's shoes right like if somebody had some constructive feedback or advice to give you how would you like to receive it publicly or privately yeah it's very simple like and not very many people care to go about it that way i've seen some pretty nasty stuff online not toward me but in the author community and it's just could have been better ways to go about it yeah for sure for sure but to answer the question <laughs> that's yeah that's how my first book changed my writing process is now i definitely put a lot into the fine-tuning of things i guess you could say thank you very much 
Next we have Ali House, author of the Segment Delta Archives series, as well as a frequent contributor to the From the Rock collection of anthologies. How did publishing your first book change your writing process, or the process through which you write? I don't know if it changed it that much. I think mostly it kind of made me aware that there were people who were actually going to read what I'd written. Because when you're not published, you just think, like, nobody's ever going to see this. But once the book is out there and you think, like, oh my gosh, my friends are going to read it, strangers are going to read it, my family's going to read it, you kind of think more about what you put in there. Um, and you also really want the quality to be good. So you worry about how it's written, not just what's written. Thank you very much. Next we have Aaron Vance, editor-in-chief of Engine Books and the editor of the From the Rock anthology series. You mean like that kind of published or like the first thing I ever won an award for? Either. Okay, so the first thing I ever won an award for was in grade eight and that made me go, huh, I guess I'm good at this thing and it made me continue writing. Um, being published in Sci-Fi on the Rock, there was a part of me going, am I only getting in this because Matthew and Ellen owe me for editing and stuff? Nope. But uh, mostly it's just, I guess, reaffirmation that I can do the thing. Yeah. And... Not so much that I'm like, aha, I am a great writer, because sometimes I read things that people have written as I'm editing, and I'm like, wow, that was really great. Like, every once in a while, someone writes an amazing line, and I'm like, gosh, I wish I could think of that. Yeah. Um, but it's more like, oh, yeah, you don't suck. Yeah. You're solid. Yeah. Yeah. That was good to not suck. Yeah, it's, it's not even like a, wow, you're amazing, but more like, no, you're, you're solid. Yeah. Thank you very much. Next we have Paul Carberry, author of the Zombies on the Rock series from Engine Books. Uh, how did publishing your first book change the process of writing for you? I don't think my process of writing has ever changed. I'm always, like, I try to change my writing, but my process has always been the same. I, I usually pick a word count, and I set it pretty low, so I know I'm going to make it. And every day, I try to sit at the computer at the same time with a cup of coffee and maybe a game of baseball or a game of hockey on TV. Okay. So every now and then, if I feel like I'm getting frustrated, I just sit back and I take a little watch of TV. And baseball and hockey is something that you can kind of, like, you it don't can have just be in the background right yeah. so if they score a goal obviously i'm gonna look over yeah but i don't have to watch everything that happens but yet it's still background noise which is nice to distract me from my nice. own thoughts sometimes nice yeah. all right well thanks for coming on again for all of you we'll be here again next week at 4 30 newfoundland time or online at chmr.ca please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture in newfoundland